First of all, it's, it's when, the, when the lights come on, the priests come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. You're listening to the From the Pink Seats podcast, powered by the State of Louisville Network. We are back for another episode of From the Pink Seats. Jacob Lane, Matt McGavick, your host. And uh, we've got another great show uh, in store for you today. This is going to be the first show that we actually get to talk about the NFL, Matt. We've mostly, you know, at least recently have been talking a lot of Louisville football as we've kind of gone through the last season and looking ahead. But uh, I'm excited to talk some NFL. How about you? Oh, I'm very excited. Of course, as the offseason goes along, there's it's going to be less and less content for us to talk about football. Now with spring, with uh, college football specifically, but with spring practice coming around, we'll have plenty of content going forward. We'll probably have an episode in the future talking about storylines heading into camp, who needs to show out, other things of that nature. But for the time being, I'm excited to talk about the Super Bowl. Absolutely. And we've got somebody here with us who knows his football, Gigi Robinson, former Louisville football defensive tackle. Uh, Gigi, how are you, my friend? It's been a while since we've chatted. Good, my man. Glad to be back on the new show now. It's my first time on. This is my first time on uh, Pink Seats. Yeah, well, uh, welcome to the show. We've got, uh, you know, some interesting storylines to kind of dive in here. We will not bore you with the uh, the detail that, that we have used to dive into Louisville football over the last few weeks. Some of the stats that I think that I, that we would share with you, you'd be like, I didn't even know that was a stat, and I played for five years. Like, the, we went that deep into what 2020 yeah. looks like. But uh, we do have a lot to talk about. The Super Bowl is this weekend with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, and then some, some former court – Former Cardinals still in the news, especially where we're going to start our first topic here with Des Fitzpatrick. Did you get the chance to watch much of the Senior Bowl, if any, GG? Uh, and did you keep up with some of the, you know, some of the stuff that was being tweeted out last week as Des was going through practice? Oh, of course, yeah, man. Des is my boy, so I was definitely tuned in. I watched the Senior Bowl, and every I didn't watch the practices, but every day after the practices, I logged on YouTube and tried to watch the one on ones and. Man, he showed out. He showed his butt the whole entire week, played really well, and definitely every – I'm not saying anything that nobody doesn't know, but he really boosted his uh, draft stock a whole lot to where, shoot, he could be early day two guy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, it's interesting. Matt and I have talked about this for several weeks now since we started the show. We had Shane Holloman, who covers the NFL draft, and asked him about Des Fitzpatrick because he's a weird draft prospect to kind to, to kind of project because of – um, his role at Louisville, he was the number two wide receiver for two, the two or three of the seasons that, that uh, or really all four of the five of the seasons that he played, he was the number two wide receiver. If you kind of look at the depth chart, um, but he was a guy that when he got the football, he was uber productive and always made big plays, consummate professional, great teammate. I've, I've said all along, I thought he was going to be a better professional than college player. Uh, Matt, do you think that um, this past week with everything that, you know, with Des being in the news, being the offensive MVP, that it's made Louisville kind of look I don't want to say bad um, but I think a lot of people are asking why was this guy not like the star player all the time that he was at Louisville like what are your kind of thoughts on that it it's kind of hard to say that Louisville doesn't look bad whenever you see how how Des balled out all week long at the senior bowl and not just on the actual game all week long like you said Gigi in practice he looks phenomenal in one and one-on-ones his route running looks crisp his release was good his body control was excellent as we saw in the senior bowl with that nice grab over the uh, that cornerback but as as a secondary thing to happen as a result of him performing at a high level he did all week you you it, it we've known here locally that Des Fitzpatrick has needed to have the ball more often. We've we've known that all all along, but now 
more people on a national level are starting to wonder the same thing. Cause I think most people, when they think of global football and specifically the receiving core, the conversation starts and ends in two, with two to well, well, they don't really dive farther into that conversation. But now when they've had an opportunity to look at the number two guy on the roster and they see how well he's like now on a national level, people are probably going to start to raise that question. Well, why, why was he not getting the ball more? Right. The one thing that we always heard about with him was, you know, the lack of production at the collegiate level. He didn't have the numbers that somebody like, you know, Justin Jefferson or some of the some of the guys who might have been like a number two on another school with a bigger, you know, kind of prolific offense would have. And that raised the question of, you know, was it in Dez's best interest to transfer this past year and kind of follow that same route that Jonathan Grenard did? Obviously, I think, GJ, you're the one that said that Des loves Louisville. Like, that's his thing. Um, and it's clear that he did. Is You know, in the press conference afterward, he's wearing the Louisville hat, talking about, his, you know, the love that he has for the city of Louisville. I'm glad that he stuck around. Uh, and I'm even more happy that he's that he's elevating his stock because uh, I think that he's going to be a standout NFL player. I really do. Even if it's just a special teams player. Like, he may not be a star wide receiver, but everything I've seen from him, you know, from afar as a fan and as somebody who covers the team, that dude's got NFL written all over him. Yeah, like you said, he's a – in my eyes, he's a, he's a pro already. Like, he likes – he – most people, when you see a high-profile receiver who – which Dez is, and then a guy like Tutu comes in and basically takes over because that's all we're really throwing to. Dez obviously needed the ball. Everybody knew that Dez needed the ball, but he didn't get the ball too much. And he would get on Twitter every game, and most people would – or some people would complain about that. He never complained, not once. And the NFL is going to love that, like that fact that he is just a pro in the way he carries himself. And so the way he's upping his draft stock now is, is definitely a good look for him. This, is, this might be kind of a random question here, but I always – with Des, I always think back to that – the season opener in 2017 against uh, Purdue at Lucas Oil Field where he absolutely balled out. It was, it was his first game of his career, um, you know, was the number two or three guy on the depth chart. Does that – like when you when – obviously, you know, you were a big part of that game and, and um, getting the win there, but when you were on the sideline watching him as a freshman, are you like, man, this kid is going to be something special? My first time saying that Dez was going to be special was his freshman year when he was redshirting. He was re- so I was on the defense obviously, and he was on he was on So we went against him every day. And that year, um, he was his freshman class. He had Seth in his freshman class, and Seth was playing freshman, but Dez was redshirting. And I always was like, "Dang, Dez is really going to be like he was making plays obviously on our one defense." And I was like, "Dang, this boy is going to be special because he's making the." the acrobatic catches that we've seen in the senior bowl, he was doing that on scout team versus our number one defense. So he was really, he impressed me back then. So I wasn't too surprised when I seen him uh, play well versus Purdue. I knew that was in store for him. All right, let me ask you this. I'll open this up for, for all of us to answer here. Where is the, if you could pick the team that he goes to, Matt, if, if, you know, you, you're the GM of, a, of all 32 teams, who, who would you want to draft him? The, the first two teams that come to mind, obviously this is going to sound like a ton of bias just because of the players we're about to talk about. But in, in retrospect, they make sense. I mean, Lamar Jackson, he he needs a bona fide number one receiver. I mean, Hollywood Brown has not been that great. Uh, Willie Sneed is, is decent, but he's not the standout threat that you need in, in this passing league. And then there's only so many plays where you can just throw it to the tight end almost every single time. And then in, in Green Bay, um, are the Packers finally going to – spend uh, a worthy draft pick on a wide receiver I, i'm not sure desk is a first round grade at this point but he's definitely worked into day two for sure maybe even early day two like you said Gigi. so i think green bay and baltimore are two two teams that not only would there be a global connection obviously but they make a ton of sense 
What do you think, JJ? I think that Des would be to the Packers. Like, who wouldn't want to play with Aaron Rodgers, airing the ball out every every play? And then I feel like I love I love the Ravens. Obviously, big fan. But it's the reason why they don't have a number one receiver is because it's hard. Because you can't you can't. How are you going to convince a DeAndre Hopkins to come play for the Ravens when they run the ball so much? Obviously, I'm saying I love the Ravens. I'm a I'm a big fan, huge Lamar fan. That's my boy. Love him. I love I love what they're doing. They run an offense strictly around Lamar, which is the what you need to do if you want to win. And it's obviously paying off for them. The only downfall for them is it's going to be hard to reel in a number one receiver around there because, like I said, you're blocking 80% of the game. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, there's a couple of places. I try to think of what he is at the next level. He's not a slot guy, I don't think. So I don't think that he'll be going to a team that kind of, you know, utilizes that. I don't think he's a deep downfield threat. Like, I don't think he's going to be used in the vertical passing game as much. So when you think about teams who value possession receivers, um, if New Orleans moves on from Michael Thomas this offseason, I think Des would be a, a great replacement there as a guy who can run those five to seven yard slants. Like Michael Thomas has been made into an all NFL wide receiver from Drew Brees from just those seven yard slants. Like Des can do that all day. I tell you what, though, if, if New Orleans moves on from Michael, from Michael Thomas, they are fools. <laughs> right, exactly, right. But, you know, when teams start to rebuild, that happens all the time. They try to, you know, if yeah. retires and they decide to kind of go down the path of rebuilding with a young roster, that'd be a good spot. And I also like – I think Louisville fans are going to hate me saying this, but the Detroit Lions, I mean, they don't have any wide receivers. They're losing Kenny Galladay most likely to free agency this year. Um, their number one guy is, is Marvin Jones. Like, and he's always been good at, as a possession receiver. He's not, you know, the fastest guy in the world. Um, he's not the, the most athletic, but he makes plays. And Des would be a great, great fit there with Jared Goff, a guy who really doesn't throw the football a, a ton down the field. Uh, I don't know. It, it seems like a spot where Des can go and get a lot of snaps right away. And I would, I personally would love to see him go play for a team uh, where he can have that versus the Ravens where, you know, is he in that same mix with Willie Sneed and Miles Boykin and all these guys who, like Gigi said, they're just out there to be out there. And maybe every once in a while they'll get a, a look their way Miles Boykin will, you know, make a big play or something. But for the most part, you know, if he goes to the Ravens, he's just going to become another, you know, blocking receiver and guy who the opportunities are limited. And I just don't want to see that. Right. They're definitely um, like the Ravens have a whole lot of good athletes, great receivers. It's just that their bread and butter is running the ball, which you run the ball as good as they run the ball. Why do you need to open it up and throw it every play? There's no point to reinvent the wheel when you're going 11-win seasons, 11-win seasons by running the ball down to people's throat every game right. like that so there's no reason to but I would like you said I would love to see Dez go to a team where he, he'll get a shot mm-hmm. see I want to see him go to a team where he's not going to be just buried in the depth chart on somebody's team where because I'm sure he'll be a good special teams player but along with getting an opportunity to to be a, a good receiver on somebody's team yeah absolutely and the thing about the the Ravens is that they don't need to draft another third fourth round wide receiver that's what they've been doing for five years like I think they have five guys over the last five years who have been drafted in the middle of the draft they need a number one so they need to use some money in free agency to go get a Kenny Galladay go get an Allen Robinson which that's a perfect segue into talking about Lamar Jackson Uh, we got to watch him uh, in the playoffs he he looked much better than he did a year ago obviously uh, things went a little bit better for him but the the same result he's at home watching the Super Bowl like us Gigi, when you watched him play um, in the playoffs, obviously uh, you got to be ecstatic for him to get a win. But um, how, how, what is it like as a former teammate, like just seeing this criticism of him everywhere? All I know is I was super happy for him. I was super happy for Lamar that he got the first win. And in the beginning, I'm not going to say it was looking ugly, but it's hard to get down versus the team who only runs the ball. So 
either or, it was going to be hard to come back for the Ravens or hard to come back for the Titans. And the Ravens got themselves in a hole early and dug themselves right out of it. And to see Lamar get that win was just, man, I know that was like a big weight lifted off his shoulders because he really needed that. Not saying that he needed that. He's a great player and he's proven that. He won the dang MVP. But of course, they're going to say what they want to say about him. And like I like how he doesn't really re- reply to too much of that. He just goes out there and does his thing and he's going to ball out regardless. But when the, when you get to the Bills game, I just feel like it just goes back to the same thing where not saying that he's out there by himself, but he just needs some type of help. Like they weren't blocking for him. They're missing blocks, missing wide open blocks. There was a, when Lamar, the play before Lamar threw that interception, that pick six, 102 yards, the running back missed a wide open block and uh, Hollywood Brown was wide open for a touchdown and Lamar just couldn't get it to him because nobody's just sometimes feel like he just needs just some help just to help him out. And he was, here watching the Super Bowl with us, he'd be playing. And which I think the Ravens, I feel like their window is, I don't know how big their window is to get to the Super Bowl, but I feel like they will get there if they can in the next few years. And plus in that game, I'm pretty sure he was a backup, but their center just had an awful game. He was getting Lamar killed on almost every play. He was, the Bills were, and Bills are already a great defense. And when you give them that much more help on the other side, honestly, that's, that's just a recipe for, a lack of success. I mean, the Baltimore, given everything that was going on with the drops by the receivers, the lack of uh, picking up of blitzes by the backs and the line, Baltimore, no matter how much Lamar balled, pretty much had no shot because Lamar had no help. Right. And of course, yeah, it's Lamar did have that pick six, but that's really the only way, uh, thing you could solely place on him because the defense wasn't that great. I mean, they got, they got, Lamar got him to that point with that win against the Titans. Unlike the playoffs last year, you you can't solely blame uh, Baltimore's early playoff exit on Lamar. Last last season, you maybe could have because that the game against the Titans last year, he he looked pretty shaky. But this year, he looked much more confident, much more poised, was much more accurate, made much better decisions. So, like like you said, Gigi, he just he needs help. Right when I watched him when I watched him during the season this year. Like, when you watch them during the season last year, MVP year, and then watch them in the playoffs, I, I wouldn't say it was a different Lamar, but obviously, like you said, it was a little bit shaky where it could have been, you could blame it on him a little bit. But this year, he came out there, looked exactly like he played in the in the uh, regular season. He looked poised. He looked ready. Every single thing looked the same demeanor, same everything. And that's why he, even when they got down 10-0, his demeanor and his poise never changed, and that's why they came back. So, yeah, I definitely think Lamar took a big step this year. I don't know how people can say somebody took a step when he won the MVP last year, but I think in my eyes, he did take a big step. And of course, like you said, he's going to get criticism more than any other quarterback in the NFL. Lamar is going to get the criticism that is not really deserved, but Hey. Yeah. It, it, it just comes with the territory of, of being in the position that he's in as a quarterback with the skill trait that are the skills that he has. And uh, he proved, he's proven everything to people here. Obviously we know that he is great. He's potential, you know, hall of famer if he's able to stay healthy and stay on the path that he's on. Uh, but I thought that in the days after the loss to the bills, it was pointed out, um, you know, kind of comparing Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, the thing that really changed the game for, for, um, Josh Allen was getting Stephon Diggs. It unlocked that offense at a completely different level um, and turned them from, you know, a wild card team into a team that had they made the Super Bowl, we probably wouldn't have been incredibly surprised. Um, do you all feel like that's the kind of the missing piece here for Lamar is that go-to guy that he can count on 
to, you know, whether it's, whether it's somebody like Alan Robinson, Kenny Galladay, maybe Michael Thomas, somebody that's out there. Is that the thing that's missing for him right now? Is, is that, or do you think that if they keep everything the same and kind of reshuffle and then rebuild that defense, which has always been the staple in Baltimore, is that kind of at a place where then you're able to take the less weapons that you have, continue to do what Greg Roman does in that offense and still go and compete for a Super Bowl? Well, there's no question that it'll certainly help. I mean, you, you, if you have the option to have another one, number one wide receiver versus not having one, I mean, obviously teams are going to say yes. But like we've mentioned, Baltimore's got a, a few other issues they need to address. Heck, the, the wide receivers currently in the room need to work on their drops. Cough, cough, Hollywood Brown. And uh, they, they, they just – the defense, they, they were good pretty much all year except for like a couple games down the stretch when uh, Lamar had willed them to the playoffs. They they were I – I don't want to say they were shaky, but they had some holes. And then that offensive, that offensive line, I, I'm not sure who Baltimore is losing in a, a free agency to, free, uh, to other teams, mm-hmm. but they, they can't have another performance like they did against the Bills. Otherwise, they're, they're not going to go anywhere. Like you can give Lamar all the weapons in the world. It's not going to mean anything if you can't make him up or, uh, have him stand up right. Right. Yeah, I agree. But like, uh, like you said, it wouldn't hurt to have a number one receiver at all. But he doesn't really have that. I feel like his best, rec- his best receivers on his team are his tight ends, and Mark Andrews is one of the best in the league. And not saying that's a bad thing, but you need a number one wide receiver just like you have a your uh, number one tight end. But like you said, it really hurt them this year when uh, Ronnie Stanley got hurt because he didn't play all year. That's the left tackle. And that was a big thing for Lamar to be able to stay upright. But like, like we all keep saying, it's not all on Lamar. He only could do so much. He can't always take the game over by himself. He needs some help. And a number one receiver, I definitely think will help him out in getting back uh, Ronnie Stanley next year. Hopefully they don't lose too many. Oh, and a center. Cause that was huge in that game. Oh my right. God. That's I don't know what happened because I, I know that was a backup center. I don't know what happened to their starter center, but definitely that needs to be a change too. All right, let's flip to the other side of the ball. Jair Alexander, again, we've known. We've known this for a while. This dude's a absolute lockdown corner. You can put him out on anyone, and he will completely shut them down for the most part the entire game. He did that through the playoffs. They fell a little bit short. I, I really did think they were going to make the Super Bowl this year, but um, – the man is going to get paid paid i'm reading i read an article earlier this morning that he is in line for somewhere between you know 80 to 100 million dollars over a five six year contract uh, him and lamar both this offseason number one priority for them is going to probably be getting that that paycheck but what about the packers i mean you know there's obviously been a lot of focus on aaron Rodgers and the comments he made after the game about his uncertain future but um, if they are able to get them if he's able to come back they keep that core together um, who who's more likely to get to the Super Bowl next? Is it at first? Is it Jair Alexander or is it Lamar Jackson? Because Jair Alexander, man, you know, I know it's cornerback, but the way that he played is, you know, all NFL level. That defense is great as well on um, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers played at an MVP level. I, it's just hard to count the Packers out. But just like I didn't think they'd lose this year, Aaron Rodgers didn't play his best game in the NFC Championship and. I read something, I forget, I don't want to make up the numbers, but it was like he's like one in five or something in, in NFC Championship, one in seven, something crazy, where he just doesn't perform in the NFC Championship. I don't understand what it is, but he looked like an MVP all year until it was time for the NFC Championship. So that's going to hurt him, but it's hard to count those boys out. I think that, I definitely think Jair is going to get, like you said, he's going to 
probably get a hundred million and he's probably gonna get a Super Bowl here soon, hopefully. Oh yeah, I think no question it's going to be the Packers that reach first because we we've already talked about some of the uh, the struggles that Baltimore needs to address. But I mean, how how can you count Aaron Rodgers out? I mean, yeah, he's only won one NF- one or two NFC championships in his tenure with the Packers. But I mean, there's there's a reason he's an, an MVP candidate year in and year out, and he's probably going to win it this year because he he just day in day out he looked like the best player on the field but like you said he didn't play a great uh NFC championship but we'll, we'll see if the Packers address some of their needs because they, they they're going to need a number one wide receiver their their front seven is solid they've got a really good front seven their secondary other than Jair is not great we saw what the, what the Bucks yeah. did to Kevin King how they just that poor guy roasted and toasted and abused him I'll be shocked if he if he does not get cut during this offseason because he looked bad. But they, but I've, I'd have to pick Jair over Lamar, and I and I it, it sucks to say that Lamar. It's, and I'm not saying that Lamar doesn't have a shot to win, make the Super Bowl because he absolutely does. It depends on how Baltimore like how Baltimore utilizes their current window to get there. But if if I had to pick, it, it would be Jair just because I think he's he is in a on a better team and. I, I can't pick against Rodgers. <laughs> what what a story he has to tell, though, no matter what happens with the rest of his career. That I mean, I know they lost, so as a competitor, he's probably not going to be telling the story very often. But he picked Tom Brady off twice in the NFC, NFC Championship game. Like, how many, people can, quarter. how many people can say that? Like, Not many people. Not many people. And if I was him, I would be putting that at the top of my resume as I walk into the general manager's office to ask for more money. Like, and uh, he, oh God, I hate that you say that because it just gets me irritated. The Packers were down one score. In the fourth quarter, Jair had picked Jair had back-to-back interceptions, consecutive drives, and the Packers did nothing with them. But kick nothing. A kick a field goal. It's, look, it's going to be an interesting offseason in Green Bay because you've got uh, Jair Alexander, who obviously is considered to be one of the top young players in the NFL. He should get paid, right? Aaron Rodgers seems that he, like he's going to ask for some more money. He wants to be paid a little bit more, uh, but he's also asking for them to go out and get them some, you know, some new weapons, some new toys for him. Uh, so that money, the money in the NFL doesn't stretch as far as one might think when it comes to paying all of your star players. So it, it could be a very interesting um, off season in green Bay. And if they decide to pay Aaron Rodgers this year and put Jair Alexander on the back burner until, until next year, that becomes an interesting conversation of what happens then. Does Jair try to force his way out, be, you know, the, the Jalen Ramsey way. Um, so it's going to be interesting to watch that as it plays out over the next year. Um, let's, let's move into the Super Bowl, though. That's kind of what we're here to talk about. We don't typically talk about big national um, headlines that don't relate to Louisville, but I did think that um, because there's not a lot of news, right? It's a Super Bowl. There's not a lot of news going on. I, th- I thought that we could kind of play our hand here. We're not NFL experts. Gigi knows football far better than we'll do, we do. So we'll lead on him for the expertise here. But uh, when you look at the Super Bowl, Gigi, what's the big, big storyline outside of Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes? Like, what are you, what are you interested in kind of watching here? I'm interested in people disrespecting the Chiefs defense. Like, you don't get to the Super Bowl, obviously, when you got the baby goat. Patrick Mahomes, obviously, you don't have to have the best defense to win games. But the Chiefs defense is really like that. Like, they're good. They are a solid defense. And you're not making it – you're not shutting the Bills down for three quarters. Obviously, all those touchdowns the Bills scored, they got the ball on the three-yard line, muff punt, and then garbage time touchdowns when they're already down by 28 points or something crazy. Like, those touchdowns don't matter to the defense. They literally – you don't do that with with a bad defense. They play ball – they are really good. So it's, I think 
it might not be a shootout like people think it's going to be. I think those def- both those defenses are going to blow their neck and have a really good game. So I'm even more interested to see these defenses versus the quarterbacks rather than just seeing the quarterbacks. Is there a is there a defensive lineman? Sorry to cut you off there, Matt. Is there a defensive lineman, whether it be for Kansas City or Tampa Bay, that you really kind of like to watch? Like is like Chris Jones come out, Jason Pierre-Paul. Is there a guy that you really Vita kind Bea. of yeah watch them play and, and kind of value their technique and things? Oh, I love watching uh, Chris Jones just because we play similar the same position and he's just a dog at what he does. If there wasn't a guy named Aaron Donald in the league, he'd be considered the best three technique in the league. But Aaron Donald, Ben took that title, and that title's on lock for a few more years. But Chris Jones is right up there. Like, obviously, he's not Aaron Jones level, but he is the best of the best in the NFL. And I love watching Jason Pierre-Paul just because, man, like, man's out there. Everybody wrote him off for dead when he did that to his hand. Talk about a redemption story. Yeah, and he's came back and just he's playing amazing. Yeah, and I hear what you're saying about the Chiefs defense, but I, I can't help but wonder because they had they had a great performance in the playoffs, especially against the Bills. But there were a couple of times during the regular season where oh, some teams weren't necessarily scoring at will, but they they were giving up points in bunches. And I, I don't think that's going to happen in the Super Bowl because the Chiefs have proven over the last half decade that they can show up in the big moments, especially on the offensive side. But if, if the Chiefs defense kind of reverts to a couple of their games to where they're giving up close to 30 points, they, they might be in trouble. Of course, I don't want to count them out because Kansas City could easily score 50 because Patrick Mahomes is, is that guy. But you're, you're not necessarily doing yourself any favors if you're putting yourself in that situation to begin with. Yeah. I just think it's hard to write off what, what happened week, what was it, week 11? Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. Bucks had the same exact defense that they had when Tyreek Hill went for 200 yards in one quarter. They have the same exact players, the same exact defense. They figured it out going at, they figured it out third quarter, fourth quarter. But man, Eric Bieniemy and uh, Andy Reid, they're just, they're offensive geniuses. They're going to exploit that defense again, which the only, only way they don't exploit the defense is if um, that D line gets to the quarterback. And with, Kansas City being without their two starting tackles would will, will and be potentially huge. their center as well. Will mm-hmm. be huge if like I still like Mahomes regardless, but Mahomes can't do it on his back. So how the right. enemy does not have a head coaching job, especially after all the tumultuous stuff going on with several organizations around the league. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Makes it. Right. It makes no sense. Same with Byron Leftwich, man. I mean, they, they both deserve head coaching jobs. Here's the thing I'm looking for: the offensive line with Kansas City. You mentioned it. The, and the and the Super Bowls where Tom Brady lost, um, for the most part, what he came up against was something that he could not handle in his control. And it was the offensive line struggling with a great defensive line. Um, I don't think Tampa Bay's defensive line is the best in the world by any means. But you've got Jason Pierre-Paul, you've got Shaq Barrett coming off the edge, Vita Vea up front. Um, and a couple of other pieces. And if you're missing your left tackle and your right tackle, potentially your center man, you're putting Patrick Mahomes in such a tough place to have to make plays. But the difference is he can move. Tom Brady was never a guy who could get out of the pocket. Patrick Mahomes can move. He can he can stretch the plays out. Especially um, and not I'm, at 43 years old. <laughs> right, exactly. And that's that's kind of going to be, you know, what I'm interested to, to watch is what does Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy do knowing that their tackles aren't there and that Patrick Mahomes is going to be, you know, they're going to come after him. Even though the, the, the numbers are outrageous. I don't know if you guys have seen this this year, but – his passing against the blitz is like, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think that he's completed uh, less than like 70, 65% of his passes. He has all touchdowns, no interceptions. So the guy is just an absolute um, 
pro, like just elite at being able to get away from pressure and score. Um, so I'm kind of interested to see what they do there. This is going to be an ultimate chess match, chess match with the quarterbacks and, and knowing that, um, you know, their offensive lines on either side, aren't their strong suits and, and that pressure is going to be kind of how they try to deal with that. Um, I'll, I'll start, we'll start here before we get into the prop bets, which is like my favorite part of the Super Bowl. but, um, <laughs> Kansas city wins the Super Bowl If what fill in the blank. If they can block. I like that's, it. That's yeah. literally it. That's, that's it for me. Yeah. I feel like Patrick Mahomes is the baby goat. I feel like it's hard to say that somebody's going to be better than Tom Brady just because of the resume that Brady has put together. But obviously, Patrick Mahomes is on his way. As long as he stays healthy, I feel like he will. He may be the goat. But if nobody's going to block for him, they don't have a chance. So he, you can't win the game when you're back. That's what Aaron Rodgers found out last week. So if if the um if the Bucks get blocked, if the Chiefs find a way with their backups in and can block for Patrick Mahomes, I feel like the Chiefs roll. I feel like they I wouldn't say they win by twenty one, but I do feel like they they cover three. No, I hate to steal what you're going to say, but I mean that's it comes down as simple as that. If they can find a way to block the that front seven, I mean Kansas City has the potential to run away with it. I, I'll, I'll be keeping an eye out on uh, Shaquille Barrett, their outstanding uh, linebacker, and he's he is absolutely on fire heading into this matchup. I think I can't remember if it was uh, this past game against the Packers or the game before that, but he had uh, three sa- three sacks in one game. He's he's he was already good heading before that, but he's. He's a monster. He's an all pro pro bowl caliber linebacker. And if Kansas city has trouble picking up blocks, especially against him, it's going to be a, a rough out. It could be potentially a rough outing. Uh, yeah. I, th- th- this is simple for me. Kansas city wins. If Patrick Mahomes shows up and plays football, like they're just that much better than everyone else. When he's on the field, he is the best football player I've seen in my lifetime. Just, I know Tom Brady is the goat and always will be. Uh, but what Patrick Mahomes does is generational. We've never seen anybody be able to do that stuff outside of Lamar Jackson, but Lamar is not as nearly as crisp as a passer um, and dangerous as a vertical passer as Patrick Mahomes. And that's kind of what sets them apart right now. But Patrick Mahomes, man, if if he wins this game, it's been a lot of discussion this week as, as to um, does he need this game to be able to, to claim the title of the the greatest of all time? Do y'all have any opinion on that? Like if, if he loses this game and eventually ends up winning four or five Super Bowls, will he always be behind Tom Brady or, um, do you think there's a, a way for him to be the the best of all time or greatest of all time, even without winning the Super Bowl? It's kind of hard to say that Patrick Mahomes has no shot to catch up to Tom Brady because what we're seeing now, he very much has a chance somewhere down in 15 years from now to be able to claim the uh, the title of GOAT. But I mean, Tom Brady, he's won more Super Bowls than almost every other player has been to. So it, it's he he's he's got a stranglehold on the goat title there's no question about that i think he's been to what 10 super bowls and he's won six of them like that's, he, that's, he's that's been unheard the, of i'm 27 years old and he's been in is it 10 or is it 12 super bowls that he's been in i think it's 10 unbelievable i mean for oh, I more know. than like a third of my life he's been in super bowls this man it's hard to just no matter how good patrick mahomes is right now he's only in what year three year is year three right year four I think. yeah year four yeah it's, it's hard to say that that he's the goat even if he wins his game it's not hard it's impossible to say that you can't we can't it's all write, projection right i mean yeah, you're right off, we cannot write off brady brady has been doing this for 20 years like he is he is the goat and he is the goat until somebody takes that title from him if mahomes rattles off like we think he actually can win four Super Bowls in a row, like five Super Bowls in a row. If he rattles that off, like it's hard to say, but he's gonna take he's gonna take the GOAT title. And yeah. it's crazy because like even with MJ and LeBron, 
it's still people still say MJ. People say LeBron. It's up in the air. But if and MJ was the goat, but if Mahomes goes crazy and does and does what everybody thinks he can do, I wouldn't say that Brady will be an afterthought. But Mahomes is going to be the goat. And just think, uh, Brady's had a 20-year career. He's done all that stuff during that span. But Mahomes is already held in such a high regard, and he's like at a fourth of the way of what Brady's career has been. If he can continue, I don't think he's going to operate at this pace for the entirety of how long his career lasts. But if he even holds a candle to this until the day he retires, no question Mahomes is going to be the GOAT when everything's said and done because he, he's already just been on an absolute blazing pace to start his career. And if he keeps up at a moderate pace from what he's doing now, no question. Yeah. What's Tampa Bay wins if what? Hmm. <laughs> if the Chiefs can't play because their barber got everybody sick, if <laughs> – well, like, what, is there any chance here? Yeah. I think I think the key here is that they they can't get in a hole early. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know that I know the Chiefs they've been comeback kings before, but there have been several times where the Bucks just get absolutely boat raced mm-hmm. right out of the gate, and they they just have no answer and they can't figure it out. If if it's fourteen nothing on the game's first two or the Chiefs' first two drives, it's a wrap. Might as well just call the game then because I I don't think the Bucks because they've shown this season that not only can they put themselves in these holes but they're not they haven't been like the Chiefs they haven't been able to overcome these obstacles so if it's an, if it's like a twenty one to three or seventeen to nothing first quarter I don't think the Bucks have a shot if the Bucks can get to Patrick Mahomes with four people without blitzing so only rushing their four D linemen and get to Patrick Mahomes consistently, I think they have a big chance to win the game. But if they can't do that, they have to be able to take advantage of these Chiefs O-linemen being out. That's why I feel like the game is definitely a toss-up. I truly feel like it's a toss-up because of the O-line factor for the Chiefs. But if the Chiefs are blocking, I don't think that the Bucs stand a chance. Yeah, I, I think I would say the same thing. Like, I think Tampa Bay only wins if they are able to disrupt Patrick Mahomes. That's the only chance. Um, but I also think it's worth talking about the fact that they're the are they they're the first team in NFL history to play the Super Bowl at their own like their own stadium. Their home These stadium, dudes yeah. are getting to sleep in their own beds the night before the Super Bowl. Like I don't think that that can be discounted. Like that's a huge deal, especially as the other team is over here dealing with their barber having COVID and having to stop mid cut. Like yeah. you know, they're, 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 it's the biggest game of their lives, and <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic, it, it would give me so much reassurance if I was. That's home, only home a storyline that you could read in times like this. Because when I saw that, I thought that was something from like The Onion or something. Did you all see the picture of Nick Kilgore, the center? I don't yes. know if that's real or not, but that it, is hilarious. It, it, it was fake, but I okay. mean, it might as well have been real because that was funny. How great would it be if he showed up to the Super Bowl play? Because he's the one that's on the COVID list right now as they kind of wait for these things to play out. If he shows up with that haircut, like if they win and he shows up, takes his helmet off and he's got half of his haircut, that's just give that man the MVP trophy. All right, let's move into prop bets. Uh, again, this is the best thing with the Super Bowl. Like this, if I had the 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 liquid income here to go and put money down on a bunch of bets, it would be these because they're just so silly. Um, but the first thing I want to start with here um, is is on the offensive side. Uh, who scores? I find this one interesting here. But who scores the? Um, because this is a game where we think that there's going to be a lot of big plays. You're talking about the quarterback. Um, 
which team in, in this game here scores the longest touchdown? Is it Kansas City at minus 150 or is it Tampa Bay at plus 130? I say, I say it's got to be the Chiefs, man. I, right. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely going to have the longest play. I, I would say the longest touchdown, too, but – like Miko Hartman went for like 57 yards last week, but they didn't score. Yep. I feel like they're they're so explosive. They're going to have the longest play. I know that's a prop as well, but the longest touchdown, I would still have to go with the Chiefs. I understand why they're heavily favored. All right. Yeah, so if Tampa Bay makes the mistake of playing Tyreek Hill in single coverage again, <laughs> yeah, right. that's a touchdown guaranteed right there. Exactly. All right. So Patrick Mahomes passing yards over or under 327 and a half. That's a lot. I would have to look up that what the lot. Super Bowl passing yards are, but I would not imagine that many quarterbacks have thrown for that have thrown for more than that i think the record's somewhere up in the like 400s or 500s when the niners absolutely decimated the uh chargers i'm not that's a I'm not stat that is great that is a total match again i i i am just pulling that out of my rear end i really don't know if it has any legs all i know is that i see that final score and i'm, I'm thinking there's no way that they didn't put a bunch of stats but any anyways uh well it's under the answer here is under it's yeah, gotta I'll, be right that's under but i could see it going over though I, I absolutely could see it going over because Mahomes puts up 300 yards like it's nothing. If I were to bet, I would bet under, but I could see Mahomes going crazy from 400 yards. That's one of those things where I feel like most people are like, oh, it's Patrick Mahomes. Like, you know, look what he did last time. I'm definitely going with the over there. I would hammer the under because I, I do think in this type of game, like Gigi said, I do think the defenses are going to be a bit more of a factor than what we kind of think when, you, when you're talking storylines. But that'll be interesting to kind of watch. Tom Brady, touchdowns, over under two and a half. I'm going to go over here. I could see him. Like we talked about this game maybe getting a little bit out of hand. So that maybe there's some garbage time at the end of the Super Bowl and, and Tom Brady throws an extra touchdown or two. I think that three or four touchdowns from him is very real, realistic. They're not a running football team. Like I know they've got Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette who are both really good running backs when they're healthy. Uh, but I would tend to go the over there. I think that'll be the upset here. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've got some bona fide weapons on offense. I mean, that's the reason that Brady went to Tampa Bay. They've got Chris Godwin, who's great he's a great route runner he's a great speed threat uh they've got uh cameron braid rob gronkowski they've got mike evans antonio brown Antonio, oh, antonio scotty brown. miller like i mean the, it's just crazy scotty. the weapons that tom brady has which yeah. i would have left new england too who wouldn't want to go to to florida where right. the super bowl is uh and have a team with 19 receivers who are all much better than what you had in new england literally Instead of having Julian Edelman and some guy who played like four seasons of lacrosse at John Hopkins or something. <laughs> right. The Bill Belichick uh, specials. Uh, let me ask you this one. This one's a little bit, this one's non-football. How many times will be, will Bill Belichick be mentioned? Bet the, the freaking farm on the under one time on. plus one thirty five and over one time minus one seventy five. I would hammer the over on this. If it's one time, guys, oh, hammer that over. No, there's they're going to be talking about Bill Belichick from the start of this game. Yeah, they're definitely. Wait, is it when the game starts or when the game the starts during the game during the actual game broadcast? They're going to still mention him more than twice, but. If it was before the game, oh my goodness, they're gonna have a field day talking about. <laughs> yeah, especially if if uh, Tom Brady gets to the fourth quarter and like they have an opportunity to to drive down the field for a game winning score. Of course, the announcers who are probably gonna be like, "Oh, he's been in this situation so many times back in New England with Belichick and like stuff like that," and they'll probably just mention his name just in non-major yeah, for no situations. Reason. Yeah, they'll find a way to work it in. All right, this one, this is another good one here. Total players to attempt a pass, over or under two and a half? Ooh. Mm. You know, the Super Bowl, they always pull out all the stops. 
Right. Think about a couple of years ago, Nick Foles caught the touchdown from Trey Burton. Uh, and then, then the Patriots went right back and threw it through the same, not the same play, but they threw it to Brady and he missed it. Yeah. Tom Brady trying to catch that pass is what I would look like trying to catch a pass in the NFL. Seriously. And I think I think there's the oh it's over here. Somebody from somebody I somewhere think, someone's gonna throw a pass that's not a quarterback. Isn't there someone on the Chiefs who has a quarterback background background that's a wide receiver? No, I think you're thinking of Julian Edelman because that's what every wide receiver I'm in New pretty England sure, did. I'm pretty sure one of these guys on either team, there's a receiver who's got a, a quarterback background. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure someone does. Because I, I think I remember seeing in the playoffs someone on either one of these teams uh, attempting a pass. It might have been for the Bucks, actually. How how much – this is kind of off topic here, but I've always been curious of this because I it was something that I wanted to see more of in the Louisville offense, GG. but how much did Tutu ask to throw the football? Like, as a guy who owns Teddy Bridgewater's, like, passing records in, in Miami at one of the most prestigious high schools, he threw, I think, like two or three passes over his career, but was he a guy that was like, Give me, let me throw the ball? Like, I want to do it. I I couldn't even tell you. I don't – I wasn't – I mean, I was on the defensive side ball the whole time during practice, so I, I couldn't tell you the answer to that. <laughs> I Did just you do some of that stuff in practice. <laughs> it's funny because over the last four years that you've had him, Tiberius Peterson had the, the the run this year that Matt and I talked about, the 30-yard run. A couple of years ago, you had Makai Becton get in the backfield and, and run in the one-yard touchdown. And and I forget who – there's somebody else that, that that had a big play from the, either the defensive side of the ball or somebody that wasn't a, a – traditional running back I know uh, Sheldon Rankins had a a scoop and score I just Um, would love to see like more often when you have a guy like a wide receiver like you talked about who is a is a quarterback uh you know a past life why would you not try to work in where they can throw the football like no one's expecting it you know I don't know I find that to be interesting we'll see if that if they get somebody else involved um and then here's the last one what's the first play is it a runner or is it a pass run just to get just to just to get the game well, yeah, that's that's very true. But I, I feel like I, Kansas City would be the kind of offense that would make you think they're going to pass, but then they would run it. I just think just to just to get their feet. What well, I think is going to be a run play, but that's just me. Who's stopping somebody from, like, say Andy Reid? You know, this would never happen. But say Andy Reid wanted to win a little bit of extra money. He wanted to, you know, put five hundred thousand dollars down on the first play being a run play. Um, who's stopping him from telling somebody, Hey, I'm going to run the ball, bet this. And then let me get that, like the income on that. You know what I'm saying? Like these prop bets just seem so reckless in the fact that there are people who control the ability to do some of these things who could benefit from a little extra cash in their pocket. I don't know. Oh yeah. It wouldn't happen now. We live in a very pure world where nobody does anything bad. That that's Oh, there, there's no cheating in sports. What are you talking right. about? Never. Never. <laughs> All right. Uh predictions on scores. I'll go first here. I think I think Kansas City wins. I'm gonna go thirty seven to twenty eight. Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes is the MVP. I got you. I got the Chiefs thirty one to thirty one to seventeen. Hmm. After well, I, I'm not saying it's just to be a different guy from you two, but I truly believe that the Bucks have a chance to pull off the mild upset. I'm taking them 31-28. I like it. I think that we should, because of the fact that you're different than us, we should make a bet here that between oh, you no. and I, that <laughs> the winner, the loser has to shave half of their face. For, a, for an episode. I already shaved face. my head. You want me to shave no, yeah, more? You got to shave half of your beard for an episode so we can match Nick Kilgore, whatever the guy's name, the center from Kansas City from those pictures. Oh, oh, that'd be a great goodness. bet, man. It's super easy. grows back in a couple of days. 
But it's going to be a great Super Bowl. I'm actually excited for this. You know, I'm so tired of the New England Patriots being in Super Bowls. As much as I love Tom Brady as a player, I can't stand Bill Belichick, and I am so glad that he has to watch this game from home. So it's going to be an interesting one, though. Uh, Drop your scores. Give us your scores over at From Pink Seats Pod on Twitter. Let us know what you think is going to happen there. Gigi, my friend, it's been great catching up with you. Matt, enjoy Las Vegas. We will catch up with you all soon. Thanks again for tuning in. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.